0: laboratory in the basement of his home.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. Today we have a tremendous episode for you. Conversation with Pat Costello, co-founder and CEO of Evolve MGA, one of the most comprehensive cyber specialist carriers in our industry. And Pat is doing some some really interesting things. And what I love about Evolve MGA is that they're trying to educate and bring cyber to the the agency force, right? I mean, too many of us are not selling enough cyber. I get it. It's it's not an easy sell. It's tough to lead with cyber. Oftentimes, uh, our commercial clients are looking at cyber as a luxury and. I've said it before and I'll probably end up saying it a thousand times but in the in the very near future cyber could be a more important coverage than general liability in in protecting uh, particularly small business but really all business and I think we're doing our clients a disservice by not pushing cyber harder and what I like about evolve MGA is that they are working to create a comprehensive program but also educate educate agents and educate consumers on why cyber is important and uh past just a good guy very dynamic uh enjoyed this conversation think you're gonna get a lot out of it and um it's just it's conversations like these that really is why i love doing this show because we're talking a little bit about business a little bit about insurance nerding out on some coverage stuff um it's just all around an episode i think you will love um Before we get into our sponsors, though, I just want to say something that I I know every once in a while I reiterate, but I just want you to know, I love you guys for listening to this show. I really do. Um, We are absolutely cranking at Rogue, and we got a million things going on, and it is getting harder and harder to find time to create these episodes. Um, That all being said, I'm dedicated to continuing to bring you this show because it seems to help. I love your feedback. I hope it does. Um, You know, it just... It is such an honor, uh, you know, and I feel it as a, as a, as a as uh, prerogative is the wrong word, obligation is certainly the wrong word, um, feel it is my, maybe I guess I feel it is an obligation to give back to the industry in some way and with through these conversations in whatever way they may add value to you, so I hope you continue to enjoy them, I just want you to know that it does not get past me, that you're choosing to listen to this show versus other shows, versus other pieces of content that exist, and, um, I take the responsibility to help add value to your life very serious, and um, I just appreciate you for listening. So, all right, with that, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Podium. Podium is kind of changing the game for how we collect leads here, how we communicate with our customers. Um, the the web form to text functionality is incredibly powerful. Uh, we're getting, you know, we're almost at like 100% response rate for leads that come through the kind of Podium widget on our site. They have a ton of other options, including payment options and all kinds of different things. Um, you know, Podium is one of those tools that I say, whether you choose to use Podium or not, you need to know what it does. It's, it's a tool that just understand its functionality maybe today isn't the actual day that you purchase or need the tool but i think it's a f- type of functionality that you're going to want to have in your agency at some point and uh, podium's been a great partner for us they, they really have um you know I, i'm not always sure what you're going to get out of a partner when you first start working with them um and you know we use podium every day uh and they've just been great, and I've enjoyed them both as a sponsor of the show. I've enjoyed getting to know the people there, and I've enjoyed using them in my agency. So, uh, go to podium dot com, podium dot com. Reach out to Podium, let them know Hanley sent you, and uh, you know, just get the demo, understand what they're doing, and if you like the tool, use it. I do. All right, with that, let's get on to Pat Costello of Evolve MGA. Yo, dude. Hi. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Just, just, uh, you know, trying to get stuff done. Another, another day in the neighborhood here.
2: Yeah. Are you in upstate New York right now?
1: Yeah. 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 We, uh, we, so the agency is based here. This is where I live. Um, it's actually where I grew up too. And, um, I, my, I have teammates across the country and the world, which is the new the new thing for, for I think probably for a company like yours, that's not necessarily unique, but for a lot of brokers and agencies in particular, you know, I tell people like, oh, you know, my producer is in Chicago and I have a client success uh, person who's down in Florida and mm-hmm. I have a VA in the Philippines. I'm like, wow,
2: what? Yes, that yeah. is totally unique.
1: You know, it's just... Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Um, finding the right people to operate in that kind of ecosystem is, is definitely interesting.
2: Totally. And, and I get, I will say it was a huge learning experience with COVID happening and learning how to manage a remote culture yep. and make sure people are happy, motivated, performing, you know, all that stuff was um, was a learning experience. So, I, and I think we're we're better off for it now that we're kind of coming out of it. So, um, yeah, man, we definitely went through uh, some interesting experiences. I think that it's been, and I'm interested in your take. For me, you know,
1: we were we were always remote, right? Like, I think I would love to have a home base someday. You know, we have a co-working space that kind of is our home base, but I would love to have a place where, like, oh, you know, bye, honey, I'm going to the office. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing. Like that would be nice to have set that kind of separation. Yeah, Uh, have just a place where all our mail goes instead of the floor of my basement office. And, um, you know, I I think that would be nice. At the same time, you know, we haven't had to deal with, well, how do we judge performance in a remote work environment? Because we never had an in-person work environment.
2: Yeah,
1: those aren't even questions. Like it's just, we have our way of, of, of judging performance and talking through things. And we use the EOS system. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with. Yes. systems. So, so we use us oh. and um, you know, when you have a system for tracking performance and you stick to it, it's not necessarily any more difficult with remote employees. Um, but I do think if you have a, a standardized in-person culture to go remote is probably a huge shock.
2: Yeah. I, I think there's two areas where I'm like, I think having people in an office environment are huge. One is like sales motivation. And, and um, you know, if you have, uh, you know, a few sales folks, I love having them together in the same room to kind of motivate each other and feel the energy, feel the vibes. And we've seen our best sales folks have been in rooms with other sales folks yeah. um, the ones that have been on islands have been a little bit slower and there's anomalies, but I think, you know, if I had my preference, I'd have like to have the sales flo- folks on like a sales floor. For for us, underwriting as well. A lot of times it's really advantageous to have underwriters that are kind of chatting about a risk to make sure they're fully understanding, comprehending all the exposures associated. Um, but just general, like, I think employee happiness and uh, bonding and um, excitement about the workplace and what we're doing as a team and connecting with individuals outside of the, you know, normal, you know, I need to get this quote done. I need to, you know, talk to this person about this risk. I need to do that. It's, you know, it's the whole personal side of things where it's like, Oh, like, how was your day? What's going on? What are you doing for dinner? What are you doing for lunch? And that personal side of things, I just think makes it so much more fun. Yeah. Which is kind of the culture that we're trying to cultivate. I agree with that. I I would, I would prefer in person, you know,
1: I I have, but I struggle with too, you know, and this is nothing against anyone who listens to this, who lives in Albany, but you know, this isn't like a bastion of insurance talent here. Not that there aren't incredibly talented people, but this isn't Hmm. like a place where one, it's not a huge market to begin with Two, a lot of the, all the colleges are geared more towards engineering, just, we have RPI, we have union, um, Our everything is kind of evolved around that. I mean, University of Albany is a liberal, liberal arts college, but um, most people who go to the University of Albany do not stay here in Albany. They leave. That's a, a problem that we have. So it's not like it's difficult to find people who, who are motivated to come in and work in an insurance agency, um, which, you know, even though, There are most days it's hard for us to even consider ourselves that it 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 is, you know, it still kind of is what it is. You still have to have the licensing. And then in this space, like right here, like locally, like it's it's been it was a huge challenge. And it wasn't until I started opening up our search to the to the basically the entire country that we started to find people who really fit our culture, believed in what we were doing. Like it became, you know, we got to really pick. So I go back and forth on it. Like there's part of me that's like, I don't care where you live. If you're working hard, if you believe you show up to the meetings, you do your work. I love it. The other yeah. part of it is like, I would love to bump into everyone every day and know like what they're up to. Cause I do. Yeah. Cause like I like the people that are on our team and we just don't get to see each other that much, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. It's, it's, we, with our HQ here in Santa Fe. we've opened it back up and we have, you know, around 20 people kind of floating around here and just, it's been a total change because I was so used to work, working on my own, no interruptions, no distractions, no people coming and ask me questions. And uh, so now I'm back and now we're, now we're fully up and running. And it's like buzzing downstairs. Like, yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. and um, But I'm totally like, I don't have the solitude that yeah. I had to just focus on a project. So that's really interesting the transition there. But um, if I had to choose between the two, I would just love to have, you know, full-on office environment going and then you know strategic days where now because now it's like like I love the home office setup that you have like just what I can see from my screen behind you yeah that's kind of what I've set up at my home office yeah and it's like I spent all of COVID like dialing the perfect home office and so now I'm like now I'm like torn between the two so yeah having a couple days here there to work from home I think is a good thing
1: there's definitely part of me that like, we will eventually get an office at some point, probably in the next 12 months at some point. And there's part of me that's like, this space is so highly functional, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I have video studio, I can do a podcast, I can do videos right here. Um, I have a creative computer, which you can't see. So like, I have a two screen window set up here for like insurance and business specific stuff. And Mm -hmm. then I can swivel to my right 90 degrees. And here's my You know, my we'll call it creative computer, like Mac. It's my Mac. It's got the uh, you know, where I do all the videos, where I do all the podcasts, like any of that kind of stuff. And then if something's going on on this computer, I have another one right here, and then I got all the stuff. I am like, this is so functional. Like, I can be 150 functional here, and there's no way if we go to an office that I can have this same setup. Like, it just won't happen. It's the command center, yeah, yeah, that's what it is, Yeah. yeah. So it, um. I've just basically said, when we go to an office, I'm not changing anything here. I'm just going to get new stuff. I'll just get new stuff for the office. Like this is staying exactly the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I love it. I have the same mindset.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I didn't, uh, as much as this is interesting, I didn't bring you on here to to shoot shit about home, you know, remote versus versus home on, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing. Uh, I'm interested in your backstory. I know you've you've done a lot of podcasts and people have followed you. Maybe there's some people who haven't heard your story. So maybe just if you could give us the, the 10 cent tour on getting um, on on founding Evolve and, and just Evolve in general. I mean, obviously yeah. I'll do a little intro so they'll know kind of the basics, but uh, I just want to catch people up so we can get to some more fun stuff.
2: Absolutely. Uh, if we're talking about my story and the founding of Evolve, I think it kind of, it goes back to, really growing up because my brother and I were fourth generation into the insurance industry. So we grew up working for a dad who was a retail agent in Northern California. Um, He owned his own agency and we would go in and, you know, work for him literally in high school, kind of just doing like administrative tasks. And in college, we ended up getting our PNC licenses, doing a little bit of selling. My brother's 18 months younger and he's who co-founded Evolve with me. But in college, we also were able to intern at Lloyd's of London for a Lloyd's Wholesale broker called Safe Online, which was really, really unique experience for all the agents that are listening, totally recommend going and checking out Lloyd's of London when you get the chance. Uh, it was really kind of the birthplace of insurance. A lot of history there, very traditional environment. very fun, fun environment. And so we interned there for a summer and coming out of college, my first job was as an underwriter for ACE in San Francisco in the professional liability department. My brother's first job was working for that same Lloyd's wholesaler that we interned with. So we were kind of going down our respective paths. And I think both of us, we were always very entrepreneurial. We were always very independent. I think in my personal experience, on the carrier side of things, I was in working for a huge company and I, I didn't see a lot of ways where I could control my own destiny. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. There was, wasn't a ton of role models that I had access to that was like, I want to be like that. Um, you know, I was, I was working hard and I, you know, didn't see a lot of people noticing what I was doing and the, the potential to move up and grow and, uh, come into my own wasn't necessarily available. And so my brother and I started kind of looking at what, what's the next thing we're going to do. And because he was kind of feeling similar ways in a much smaller organization, where he was kind of you know ready to move on, and so we started pitching uh, different ideas to mentors, and uh, we had a mentor that you know helped us kind of plan out and, re- and recommend the business model that we have today, which is Evolve MGA, and so Evolve is a cyber insurance specialist at the moment, all we do is cyber insurance. We are a market for retail insurance brokers. So if there's an insurance broker that wants to get a cyber quote, we have one of the most comprehensive cyber policies that currently exists, which is a big statement to say right now, because the cyber market is getting harder and harder. Claims are going up, particularly ransomware. Yep. And It is getting tougher and tougher for folks to get quality cyber coverage. And from a retail broker perspective, one of the biggest issues that we see is understanding the exposures and then also understanding the quality coverage and having those conversations with your clients. So we've done everything we can to make it as simple as possible for a broker to show their client that they have tremendous exposure, which they do, right, which they it's, it's should be explicitly clear at this point. But if there is any issues with that, we're really focused on that education. So um, showing someone in a particular industry why they have tremendous cyber exposure with claims examples. Um, And then uh, I think our our quote proposals are really well laid out to to really explain the exposure, explain the, the coverage. And I know our team is always there to answer any questions, but Ryan, we've gone so far down the education rabbit hole that Our team, like our our production underwriting team has, in a given year, we'll do over 2,000 educational face-to-face interactions, breaking down exposure, um, talking about a particular industry and their exposure, breaking down coverage, et cetera, breaking down the, the state of the market. So on top of that, in November, we're going to be hosting our second Cyber Sales Academy, which is going to be super cool. We have... Frank Abagnale from the movie "Catch Me If You Can" mm-hmm. coming to speak. Who a lot of people know him for check fraud, but he also specialized in cybersecurity, um, wire transfer, wire transfer fraud, social engineering stuff like that, which is the, the second most common claim we see behind ransomware. So he's going to be there. There we're going to be doing an event at the Cowboy Stadium, and so it's Dallas center center of the country. So we're going to have people come in from um, both sides, and so we're planning for about a hundred agents. So we're about to release that. But education is huge. Comprehensive cover is huge. And then we're always working on how we can better our service. So that's kind of a summary breakdown of how we started and what we're doing today. It's been about six years since we were founded.
1: Why do you think that agents still sell cyber like it's a luxury and not like it's a necessity?
2: I think the insurance industry and the way it's set up with renewals breeds an attitude of complacency for along with the fact that there's a pretty pretty big age gap in the insurance industry. So you have these producers that have built these books over uh, a number of years and they have renewal income that's coming in at a 90 or 90% rate or higher. Not a ton of motivation to learn about a new complex product that isn't a high revenue producing line of business especially a product that's changing all the time, it's evolving. Um, so I just think the the motivation isn't always top of mind, but I think the fact that claims are coming in, the market's getting hard and clients are now asking about this all the time. I think that's going to be changing. I also will say it's, it's a complex product. And when you say cyber insurance, people can confuse it with techie, you know, they might think about the internet. They might think about you know, computers. But if I were to break cyber insurance down to one sentence, cyber insurance is coverage for the costs associated with hacking attacks, data breaches, and system failures. Those are the three major triggers that I want people to remember. So if you can break it down to one sentence, it makes it a lot easier to communicate to your clients. And that's, that's one of the big purposes of Sales Academy. And simplification, I think, is really key to make sure clients truly understand why they need this. Yeah. It's
1: funny. I I think a lot of times people still think like, Oh, I don't take credit. Card. Like I got people like, I don't take credit cards. So I don't need cyber insurance. It's like, that was like cyber insurance in 2005. That's yeah. not, that's not even close to what we're talking about today anymore. And the fact that, um, so, so cross-selling cyber insurance now, again, we're still getting started as an agency. So, um, mm-hmm. it's not like I can talk in like thousands when we talk about volume, but we, cyber insurance is a huge, part of our cross-sell process. And we know that a lot of times at the initial point of sale, you're not going to get that cyber purchase. And when I, where I think a lot of agents fall down is because at the immediate sale, when you're selling the BOP or the comp or maybe the commercial auto or whatever, because maybe cyber feels like an additional policy at that time. Oftentimes you get a, well, you know, let me think about it. And then they never get back around to it. So we've actually built three touch points in through the course of the year post- post initial sale if they don't purchase a cyber policy at the point of contact to retouch on what those are and you know i i i firmly believe that we could be looking at and I, and i know it, i don't know of any legislation that's happening maybe you do but i do think in the in the next 5 to 10 years we could look at something where cyber liability becomes a mandated coverage much like having a workers comp or personal auto only because it is, it is absolutely insane what's happening out there. And, and, if, and if agents are unaware of what's happening, then just do a simple Google search. I mean, you can't, it is like every single day. I, I had a guy call me and I, and I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before or not, but I had a guy call me because I've done a lot of cyber videos. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey man, I hope you can help me. I'm, I'm having a really tough time. I said, well, what's up? He said, well, I just had a cyber incident, put me out of business and I'm hoping you could help me. I was like, well, I'm not really sure. This would have been a good call before the claim happened, uh, before the incident. But so he said, um, you know, have a cyber policy. Mm -hmm. And that policy uh, covered um, tearing down. So basically he had a um, uh, ransomware attack, except when they left the system, they just destroyed the system as they were leaving the system. So it wasn't just like, oh, you're unlocked. They just absolutely obliterated everything on the way out. There's all kinds of like, I don't know what you call them, but there's all kinds of like hooks and malware things like embedded in this. And I don't mean destroyed it. Like they tore it apart. I mean, like there's just all kinds of crap that they left, like keystroke yep. finders and stuff that were stuck in the system. So they had to get rid of everything. And yep. um, that cost about $600,000, which, the, com- which the, the carrier that he had actually, the cyber company paid for it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, great. You know, you'd think I'm listening to him going, okay, this sounds good. He's up and running two months later. He's got all his equipment back. Like, yes, he lost some data, but he was able to recoup some of it cleanly. And um, he goes, but I said, well, what, what happened, man? And he said, my two biggest clients canceled their contracts on me for breach of contract because there's no way that they could have stayed with me post a cyber claim. Cause if we had had another one, they would have all been fired by their, basically he placed nurses was his business. Okay. Um, and, uh, and so I said, well, send me your policy. Cause I know that reputation and so there, there's there's certain hooks on the end of policies which which actually cover you for lost clients or lost business because of reputational hits after a cyber claim. And he sent it to me and sure as shit, they didn't it didn't have that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I I felt bad. I actually probably lied to him a little because I didn't want to like completely. I just said, look, man, there, there are some endorsements. Not every policy has them. Unfortunately you don't have them. Um, yeah. There's not a whole lot you can do because you had this policy for two years and it just didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like that level of detail in cyber policies could have changed that guy's life. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if someone, if his, if his broker, or wherever he bought it, I, we didn't get into that. I felt bad. I thought I was going to start crying. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if someone had said, Hey, look, you know, there are, there are endorsements that you can add to the end of this policy, which could at least maybe help with some of the financial hit of losing major clients because of reputation post-claim. Post he just didn't have those things and now he went out of business.
2: Ryan, I, I think the example that you brought up is phenomenal because you are touching on a few first-party coverage sections that a lot of carriers or cyber markets do not pick up. So the first one you mentioned is system damage and data restoration. That's, so cyber policies to take a step back are third party coverage and first party coverage. Third party is typically based around uh, someone making a claim against the insured for losing their information. Uh, Some sort of liability coverage. First party coverage is for um, the costs that the insured is directly responsible for paying out based on someone hacking them. So their system goes down, they need business interruption coverage right they need system damage coverage if someone does exactly what you mentioned where you know they can't use their system anymore and they need they might need uh, for example in the insurance world if someone hacks you know one of our agencies they might need all the client information recreated because maybe that information is deleted or compromised or encrypted um and then beyond that um the the biggest areas where we see claims are crime cyber crime so Ransomware, those extortion payments, social engineering. Um, And so those are the areas where cyber policies are getting more and more limited. So for all the agents out there, if you're offering a cyber policy, you wanna make sure you have strong, comprehensive first party cyber coverage. And to throw a couple stats at you, I mean, ransomware attacks during the pandemic increased by 800%. (laughs) The scary thing about I, ransomware attacks, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, I just, it's, it's just insane. It's so much. Yeah. It's crazy.
2: It's crazy. Um, the scary thing about ransomware attacks is most people don't report them. Because another thing that you mentioned is you're insured lost vendor relationships because there's a negative connotation with businesses getting hacked and that being out in the news. What a lot of times that that company has done everything they can from a cybersecurity standpoint, there's no cybersecurity that is 100% effective. So it's, it's kind of sad to see that there's this huge negative connotation in the public for and obviously, you know, you want to make sure you're as secure as possible. And some people are more responsible than others. But a lot of times there's just no control there. But the FBI gets um, about 4000 complaints per day about businesses getting hit by ransomware attacks 4000. The scary thing is, the majority of people don't report them because they don't want to have that negative connotation with their vendors.
1: One thing to be clear on this guy was not my insured. He had just called me. He would have had that, he would have had that coverage if he was my insured, but no, he did not. uh, He was not, he just, he just called me because he found me on YouTube, but uh, (laughs) I just want to, but I did have an insured. I did have an insured, have another claim. And this is just another example. Cause I think a lot of, I think a lot of agents, and, and this isn't a knock, like this is a coverage that in general is relatively new Two, that as an industry, we don't spend enough time on three, I think the way it was initially taught was so wonky that it was like impossible to understand, right? You just, yeah. when this first hit, what about a decade ago, like maybe 10, about 10 years ago, right? It really started to become, I mean, it existed before that, but it started to become a coverage that people were talking about. And it just was like, I mean, insurance is boring enough. And then the people who are teaching cyber, like it was almost like they were purposefully making it more boring. And Mm -hmm. it was just very tough to get your head around. So um, I think people struggle with selling it for a lot of those reasons. I think that's changing. I think you guys are a big part of it. And and just the, you know, you got the podcast, you you do a lot of podcasts, you have a lot of content, you can share a lot, you make it fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just more inviting, which is a very good thing. Um, but that being said, I still feel like a lot of agents just don't understand how this can work. So I give that one example, uh, uh, a claim um, that we, we thankfully avoided, but was very nearly a claim was actually, we had a, a wire fraud incident. So I have a furniture store that I insure. Uh, someone emailed one of his uh, commercial clients with an invoice that said, hey, you owe us $50,000. Can you pay the invoice? Guy doesn't even look at it, sees who it's from, forwards it on to his whoever uh, that, that, that person gets it, pays the invoice. No big deal. Okay. Yeah. Two days later, he emails my client goes, Hey man, you know, I just got an invoice for you. And I didn't really think about it at the time we paid it, but like, what was that for? What did we buy? And he's like, you don't know. You don't know us any, we didn't send you yeah. an invoice. So yeah. this is the thing that the tightly, the closely related, you know, email that if you actually look at the thing is different. And then the email looked the same. The signature was very close in terms of, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, my client president or whatever. And then one, it's kind of weird. It's coming from the president. So maybe that should have been a key, but he didn't, he didn't check it out. He's just going through his day fast for his email on she wires this money for this payment. And thankfully they were able to get all $50,000 back. So the bank transfer hadn't cleared all the way because uh, it was international, like they didn't know, you know, and they were able to get the 50,000 back and they didn't, they, they didn't end up putting a claim in note and there was no loss. He got all oh, the money wow. back. that's great. But, um, but that easily, that money easily could have gone off into nowhere. And if that guy comes back and goes, Hey man, I need that 50,000 bucks. Then mm-hmm. that's a cyber. I mean, that's social engineering, right? I mean, am I describing a social engineering claim? What's up guys, quick break here. Wanna give a shout out to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions with over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers ever changing needs. That's your need for your customers ever changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. Sorry, sometimes when you're reading these things, the way the words are written don't sound as good as they probably look. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information, go to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Visit nbsbrokerage.com. On the reels, guys, Rogue Risk uses Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. We've been very, very happy with them. Hanley, out.
2: you're describing it exactly as what it is. Social engineering is the most common claim we see behind a ransomware. We have started to refer to it as wire transfer fraud because the acronym is WTF, yeah. right? That's exactly what someone would be thinking yeah. when they transfer money out. And that's something that's happened to the biggest companies in the world, the Facebooks, the apples, the, it's huge in real estate, huge in law firms right now. It's, but it's, Ransomware and wire transfer fraud are industry agnostic, right? If you have an email address and a bank account, you can be victim of one of those hacking attacks. So that's why I say, I mean, those are, those are great claims examples to bring up to any client, because if you're a legitimate business, you're going to have a, an email address and a bank account and you want to make sure those are protected. So I think that when you bring up, uh, or when, when, uh, Brokers are looking for examples. I think that's a great place to start. But I also think brokers need to know that a lot of times, small to medium-sized businesses assume that they are not gonna be victims of hacking attacks, that you know, we're only, the hackers are only targeted at the, the huge businesses of the world because that's what we see in the news, right? We always see when a major company has uh, a hacking attack occur, but we don't see a lot of times are the small to mid-sized businesses when the truth is those are the low hanging fruit because they usually don't have the cybersecurity in place that they probably should. And they're much more willing to pay a ransom just to get their systems back online. So it's something that I think uh, folks should think about if they, you know, initially believe that only big businesses get hacked. Yeah. So anyone that's listening, you can steal those two examples,
1: but, uh, cause stories sell. Right. But, but I think we need to find, we need to find our own hopefully um, we can find them, and they're not our clients. We can, you know, just read the trade journals. You find tons of examples, and just use those examples. Because I, mm-hmm. I, I said this before. I said this maybe about a year ago during the pandemic, when all the stats were coming about out about how hard everyone was getting hit with these. And I yeah. actually read that there were a couple homeowners insurance companies that were thinking about adding personal cyber liability because these guys are now. I say these guys. I'm assuming they're all disgusting men sitting in basements somewhere you know what I mean they're doing all this hacking I don't know that's just a visual I have Mm -hmm. but like eating Doritos and like regular Coca-Cola like these Uh you know awful humans um and uh and 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 they're pinging like like home routers and then using those as 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 like proxies to then blast out all this malicious content and that can you know if they can track it back to your home router you can be brought in a lot you know there's just all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And I and I said, like, I, I just put out a couple of messages or did a video or something. I just was like, cyber, there's a very realistic possibility that in the in the near future, mm-hmm. cyber liability is as or more important than general liability. Like if I had to think about rogue, you know what's a cyber is a million times larger exposure than a slip trip and fall, third mm-hmm. party bodily injury or property damage. I mean, that's general mm-hmm. liability, right? And a stroke. Mm-hmm. Like is, there, is, is it more likely that someone slips and falls on a property that I'm responsible for or yeah. someone hacks into my system and steals their information or uses my system from ransomware or whatever? Like it's just, but yeah, we won't, we don't think about it that way. We think, ah, oh, you know, I own a small agency, so I don't need it. You know, I own a small business yeah. and it just couldn't be farther from the truth.
2: Yeah. Well, Ryan, as, as everything gets more connected to the internet and as people start using technology more, there's more potential for things to get hacked. If something is connected to the internet, it has the potential to be hacked. And so everything that we are doing on a day-to-day basis is getting more and more um, technology driven. So I don't think there is a more crucial coverage for the 21st century than uh, cyber insurance. So I think it's something that really, really needs to be top of mind. And yeah, I mean, if if there's any agents out there that have any questions on it, like we're, we have the luxury of being a specialist where we can go really deep on this, not only in our coverage, but all the coverage out that's floating out there in the market. What's really, you know, working from a broker standpoint in terms of making sure this hits, like you mentioned claims examples, we have like 75 industries, all the major industries like laid out of, you know, their five major exposures in the claims examples associated with that industry. So, for example, someone needs claims examples on restaurants or manufacturers or contractors, lawyers. We have claims examples aggregated. So um, the, other, the other thing that I really like that helps identify exposure is dark web scanning. Most people don't realize that they have probably over 100 accounts that they are their information is in um, when you talk about being a member of LinkedIn, of Facebook, of Instagram, of you know your gym, of your bank account, right? You have all these credentials. And what you don't realize is the majority of these companies have had some sort of data breach at some point, right? And it's likely that your email address and password are associated with that data breach. So on the first page of all of our quote cool proposals is an automatic dark web scan that we do for everybody associated with their domain name. And it shows you the credentials that are floating out there on the dark web right now that are being bought and sold. And if you haven't changed your password, some hacker out there, someone on the dark web could buy your information and try to log into Wells Fargo or whatever it is. So the dark web is a scary place. And the the fact that people aren't actively changing their password, using password managers, practicing quality cyber hygiene, that's just gotta be, you know, multi-factor authentication. That's just gotta be part of the normal day-to-day to to make sure you're secure. And we have, you know, a list of things that folks can do to secure their home office, to make sure they're taking the right cybersecurity steps. In fact, Ryan, we have six free services, cybersecurity services that we provide to all of our uh, insureds for free, if they want access to them for proactive cybersecurity.
1: Which uh, password manager do you recommend? Like LastPass or
2: LastPass is my go-to. Yeah, yeah,
1: I know. I gotta, I gotta get on the LastPass train. I logging in and out of systems is the biggest. Is like that is like one of those nightmare things that we all deal with. Yeah. I mean, carriers are the worst because they, they make you change your password. Like some of them it's every two days, some of them it's never. And you're just yeah. like, oh my God, I can't, I have no more iterations and I don't have the brain cycles to remember. And then everyone yeah. just goes last pass. And I'm like, God, I just yeah. gotta sign up for it. But um, so so you had said before um that cyber insurance is the only product that you offer at
2: this time. What does that mean? So I think that we've set up a really great network of uh, insurance agents across the U.S. We've gone really, really deep when it comes to cyber. And I think if we can find another product that is a a specialty quality product that our agents would, uh, that would add value to our agents and would add value to their insureds.
1: Like a tech E&O or something
2: like that? Could be Tech Eno, could be Dino, could be Eno, could be, you know, I know there's a really big need right now for brokers that are working in the cannabis space because there's very few markets um, and there's lots of lines that could be associated with that. So we are actively exploring what could be the next product that would add value. And I think we would only move on it if we felt it was, you know, a great product that uh, was comprehensive and that we know our, our distribution network. Because I think we work with about 2,000 insurance agencies across the UF, about 2,000 offices. So if it paired well with cyber and it was something that you know worked within our business model to have our folks be able to communicate and explain and um, show our brokers why it's relevant, then I think that's something that we would want to bring on. Yeah. As are, as will. One of the
1: things that I think is a huge opportunity is tech, you know, and
0: the mm-hmm. reason I
1: think it's an opportunity, not not necessarily for you guys, but just in general is because it's very, it's, it has a very narrow bandwidth in what's considered tech, you know, today. And I, I feel like that bandwidth is, I think it's, I think it's just, I think the carriers that are writing it, um, I think they're just a little behind in updating what a technology related company is. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you look at some of the exposure, when even look at some of the exposures that Rogue has, right? Let's take my own business. We have a lot of technology related errors, errors and, um, and omissions issues that we could have as, as we build our own tech and we build our own connections into different systems and, and what could happen there. And, you know, right now it's like, do you develop an app? Yes. Okay. Techie, you know, What about websites that develop functionality on those sites that are proprietary to their business? It's not actually an app that they're selling, but it's proprietary tech that is delivering a service inside a a, a web portal or form or whatever. Like, how does that, you know, you really have to search to find someone who will classify that inside of a tech E&O, but when you get that dial into the policy forms, standard E&O isn't covering that. And it's, and it's certainly not covered under a BOP. So like yeah. maybe media liability, but that's a stretch. I mean, that's a big stretch to think yeah. that media liability is going to cover that. So I feel like there's a big gap in that market um, just because it, it, I think it was originally for like app developers, you know what I mean? Like that's really what it is, is like they're thinking like high functionality technology or technology that's running maybe a manufacturing plant maybe like something that's driving it through a system but Mm -hmm. there's to me there's a much broader spectrum of tech exposures that are seeping into businesses because 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 today everyone is is bolting on their, I shouldn't say everyone, a, a yeah. lot of businesses are bolting on their own technology solutions and products that maybe they're not selling to the market, but are, but are highly that are but are being used to drive their business. Maybe yeah. even in conjunction with some off the rack stuff and uh-huh. that technology that you're building and implementing and delivering services through that's a, that's a big gap. I believe in the current structure of, of, bop and errors and omissions if you Mm. don't have that tech terminology built in. So, um, you know, I I don't say that's probably way more detailed than anyone really cares about. But, you know, this is just something that I've seen with some of our clients is I'm like, how do I cover this feature of their product delivery, right? They have this, that's pretty standard. This is pretty standard. But what about this piece right here in the middle that connects these two things and does this that they built?
2: Yeah, Uh, you know, well... Yeah. It's, it's, it's the future because there's so many business functions that are reliant on technology. And if you have someone that makes a mistake in creating that, um, it's, it could be, you know, yeah. massively, uh, costly to that business. So there's no doubt it's an option for the future. And, and I also would like, love to just clarify, like, because people always confuse cyber and techie. you know, yep the reason why we standalone cyber does not include tech, you know, is because there's a double trigger. So for example, um, if I'm a hacker and I'm looking to um, get into somebody's businesses, business, excuse me, I could potentially exploit an error that a programmer made in putting that tech, putting that um, software or that program together. So therefore it could trigger a tech, you know, policy could trigger cyber policy. So that's why we don't include tech and o in our form. And like you said in the beginning, cyber policies in the past, a lot of times combine the two. But at this point, we're separating it out because hacking attacks are so real and there's so much going on that combining the exposure of the two on the one policy is too much. Yeah, I
1: agree with you. I think they need to be, I think they could be sold as a package, but the forms have to be separated.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I think that's the way
1: it has to be. I mean, that's my personal opinion on how it should be sold as separate forms, but packaged together mostly to make it understandable and easy for brokers and customers insureds, to understand what the hell they're purchasing. Cause you know, but if, so if it came as a package, but, but was technically separate forms, I think that would be an incredible way to deliver that. Especially if you had a, if, you know, whether it was a broader industry or just a broader sense of what tech, you know, covered. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. It feels very narrow to me as, as one of the, as a coverage.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and I actually personally live that space a bit because um, my dad has specialized in insuring tech companies in Silicon Valley. That was, you know, his niche as a producer and, and still is really tech venture capital and private equity. So I've seen him go through that process and it's been a really interesting market. Cause I think, Tech, you know, is much harder to get now than it was yeah. five, 10 years ago. There's people pulling out, and I think the underwriting is still being perfected in that space.
1: Well, it's what is tech? You know what I mean? Like, that's it's such an ethereal thing that I think, you know, there, there are some very straightforward senses of what that is. And then mm. it gets, you know, the, the gray fringes are are very wide or, or you know there's a lot of breath to the to the fringes to what what constitutes where does a tech when is this just an, uh, a standard E&O policy and when yeah. is it a tech E&O policy when do you need neither and what is the real trigger to the exposure and when do you just need cyber coverage right i mean these are these mm-hmm. are um, real questions that i think everyone outside of true specialists have and even mm-hmm. their you know, I think you get confused by what is a moving target in terms of underwriting guidelines and appetite and all that kind of stuff because no one can figure it out. And it doesn't help that every system is being tested a thousand times a day by hackers. I mean, you want to run it. You want to get the shit scared out of you. Launch a brand new website. Don't ever go to it. Just launch it and then watch the traffic, right? Just watch the traffic. You'll, you'll have your bot traffic will be 200, 500 hits within like uh-huh. a day or two. Yeah. And, and you're like, it doesn't even exist. It's yeah. just a, there's nothing even there. How are they finding? Cause these freaking bots are just scanning the web all day long, constantly. Yeah. And crazy. it's just wild. And people just don't realize this. They don't, they don't, no. they have no idea.
2: No, that's a great point. That's a great point for people to know how often hacking attacks are happening. I mean, even in our own industry, Ryan, when you look at the last few months, um, AXA hacked, uh, CNA, <clears throat> CNA, $40 million ransom. Um, uh, Arthur J Gallagher, right. De- like couldn't, you couldn't get a quote from it. We were, we were getting brokers that were coming to us. are like, Hey, we usually go to, we're, we usually go to, um, you know, Gallagher or, um, you know, RPS to get our cyber quotes, but they just, didn't have access. Right. So man, and and honestly, like the, a lot of insurance agencies we work with have experienced hacking attacks themselves. So, you know, they, they, at the end of the day serve as great claims examples for clients and how real things are. So, but it's the new world that we're living in. Yeah. So is
1: there anything um, coming down the pipe in the cyberspace, just in general that people should look out for? Is there any new coverages? Is there any, Talk in the cyber nerd forums of of new things that we need to be prepared for or that we need to consider. I mean, most people probably yeah. found half the shit that we've said so far to be beyond what they've thought about, and that doesn't yeah. make them bad. But like, yeah. is there anything new that 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 we're going to see in the next twelve to twenty four months that that we should be prepared for from a cyber respect?
2: Well, from a coverage standpoint, one thing I'm excited that we recently introduced in our into our forum is. Uh, Cyber coverage for senior executive officers, personal funds, because a lot of times we see the CEO or the CFO or, you know, the principal or somebody that's high up get targeted specifically by hackers. And a lot of times you'll see these C-level folks, really anybody at a company um, doing their personal banking at work, going to wellsfargo.com. Uh, you mentioned keylogging malware. If someone puts that on your computer, they just get your username and password to your Bank of America bank account. You know, they can transfer funds out. So that's uh, specifically covered within our forum. Another crazy thing is in the last year or so, there was the first death associated with a cyber attack. It was a German hospital, I believe. They got hit by a ransomware attack. The technology was down, so they couldn't admit patients. So something, something happened, there was an accident that happened, or someone needed medical, urgent medical care. They were not able to be admitted to this hospital. And unfortunately, they ended up passing away. So that is another form of coverage. So bodily injury coverage associated with hacking attacks is something that uh, we have built into our form recently. And I think when you look at the future, you know, you can talk about more comprehensive bodily injury coverage. You can talk about property damage. You know, when you talk about someone hacking into like a Tesla or something like that, that's a really interesting space. But like I said in the beginning, if something's connected to the Internet, it can be hacked. So, you know, when you talk about your thermostat being connected to the yeah. Internet, you know, when you talk about like, like, you know, your smart home, whether it's your smart refrigerator, your smart um, range, your smart washer dryer, your smart locks, Right. Those all could be the initiation of significant financial loss if they're hacked. So it's there, there's significant potential for the market to grow. And that's, that's one of the reasons in the beginning, why we named the company Evolve because we knew that the, not only would the hacking attacks change, but the coverage would change along with it. So it's funny. we, We have enjoyed the name Evolve just because when we go to, cyber conferences and cyber events. It's just free marketing because everyone's saying evolve, evolve, evolve as things change.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. It is is—it is pretty, you just think about, you know, you just think about everything that's connected as it gets more connected. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. good cybersecurity is always a good first line of defense, but like always, if you don't have a good insurance policy, there's no one showing up after that. You know, I had some guy say to me one time, I have a cyber. I I have a cybersecurity from the houseman. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, but they do they offer you cyber insurance? He's yeah. like, no, nah, I'll just sue them if something goes wrong. And I'm like, that is a wild way. Like that's a wild mindset. Like versus, I mean, I'm telling you, the policy that I quoted him was like fourteen hundred bucks. Like this wasn't yeah. like some big huge policy. Like yes, just the mentality of I'd rather have nothing because because whatever whatever reason, and I'll just sue my cybersecurity company. I'm like, one, how do you know you'd win? They probably, they're probably doing most things right. Two, like, what the, what? Like, this is the mentality? I just.
2: Yeah, and if it's a legitimate cybersecurity or IT company, they probably have a contract in place that spells out what happens if there's something that they don't catch. But yeah, that that is wild. And the other thing I want to reiterate about cyber policies is they give you access to forensics firms, to PR firms, to folks that literally have ransomware negotiators on their team. like That is, that is the forensic firm associated with our cyber policy. They have ransomware war rooms where they're gonna be acting on the insurance behalf. And not only are they gonna be figuring out because it's extremely expensive to have the forensics firms. come. Like if you were just to not have a cyber policy to get the forensics firms to come in, figure out what's in your system, figure out what happened, figure out how to get it back to normal repair it if if need be, and then, oh wait, you just lost 5,000 people's information. Now we need to bring in a legal firm to figure out what you need to do because you just lost all their data, it's been exposed, and now you need to notify, you need to figure out what regulations you need to comply with. And then, you know what, now we've been down for four days and how much revenue have we lost per day? What's the business interruption cost associated with that, right? And then if there's an extortion itself, Do we have to pay that? Do we not, right? Like we saw in the Colonial Pipeline attack, I believe it was negotiated down from 10 million and they ended up paying 5 million on that ransom. But a lot of times these ransomware hackers literally have call centers. It's a business where they're like, okay, you know, they're communicating with the forensics firm. The forensics firms are very used to it. So that's why I'm excited for this sales academy because we're going to have, like the forensics guys, like the ransomware negotiators, come in and talk about, you know, this is how it typically works. This is what you need to be prepared for, and uh, kind of talking about the the major things that act as selling points for brokers and that business owners should be aware of. It's a pretty wild idea that
1: somewhere uh, there is just like showing up for work, you know, just hat, you know, whatever, lunch, walk out the door, like. Bye, honey. You know, yeah. have a nice day. And like, you show up to like hackers, you know, uh-huh. whatever. And like, that's what you that's what you do today. Like today, I'm gonna I'm gonna send out like 10 million emails. Hopefully, one of them will hook someone. Uh-huh. And then I'm gonna start talking to them on the phone and negotiating, you know, their ransom. And that's yeah. and you come home and like, how's your day? Well, I got like I got twenty five thousand out of this business in Maine, and you yeah. know. I mean, like, right? I mean, that's insane. it's just crazy. That's like what their day is. Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. You know? and then, you know, you throw a big like champagne party on the pipeline one or whatever, you know, it's, just-
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, it's wild. And frankly, you don't even need to have technical expertise. Like, you know, a lot of people have that image of that hacker in the basement, you know, eating chips, but you can literally buy ransomware on the dark web and then you just get a bunch of email addresses and send it out to them. Like that, that's how simple it is. So it's not as complex as people might think.
1: That's actually would be a good SaaS company. Like you you take like 5% of all your ransomware hits and you just sell ransomware as a service. Yeah. And, and, you know, you just sell it to hackers. They put the emails through and you get five to 10% of whatever ransomware they get.
2: Right. We've seen that. We've seen that exact thing where they, they there's literally taking commissions from the software that they are the malware that they are putting out there on the dark web.
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, Hey, Everybody's got to make a buck, you know, but it's our job to make sure that buck doesn't come from our clients or easily. If it does, we can, uh, we can get it back. So yeah, dude, I I appreciate you spending this time. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Um, Where can people learn one more about evolve and two about the conference that you're putting on if they're super interested in cyber and up in their cyber game?
2: Yeah. So to learn more about evolve uh, you can go to evolvemga.com and uh, we work with retail brokers across the U S and if someone's looking to get a quote or get appointed, if you just go to our website, evolvemj.com and click the, get a quote, you fill out, um, your insurance information, the agency's information, we can get folks appointed. Um, the other area is going to underwriting at evolvemj.com, emailing underwriting at evolvemga.com with anything they would like any questions that they have. We're happy to act as an educational resource. And then I'd say for the upcoming Sales Academy, I'm super excited about it. It's going to be the first week of November, November 2nd and 3rd. And it's going to be in Dallas, just a couple highlights, but we're going to have the whole purpose of the conference is any agent that attends, they should be able to leave that conference, being able to explain cyber exposure and quality cyber coverage to any one of their clients in under two minutes. And we're going to have the best of the best in the industry from uh, forensic professionals to Frank Abagnale from Catch Me If You Can to, you know, one of the number one cyber producers at Hub to talk about his sales process. Um, and then you're going to have access to all of our underwriting team to ask them questions. And so, I, and I think at the end, we're going to give our like kind of like sales playbook for cyber to anyone that attends. So i um, very excited, especially because it's really our first, conference coming out of COVID as well. So it's going to be great to see people face-to-face.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Where can people get more info on that? Is it on the website as well? Or where do they sign up
2: if they're interested? You know, uh, we are creating a webpage for people to register. It is not up and official yet. So if there are folks that are interested, just emailing underwriting at evolvemj.com saying I'm interested in attending the Cyber Sales Academy. Uh, We're probably going to reserve it to about 100 seats so um, I know we have a lot of folks in Texas alone a lot of folks that attended our last one in Chicago so the seats will fill up quick but emailing underwriting at evolvemj.com is the best way for us to um, Perfect. make sure people get reserved
1: awesome man well hey I appreciate you I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing. and um, I've just been following you guys for a while we're an appointed evolve mga and as we start to have more policies roll in you guys are you guys are in the mix and we look forward to writing more business with you. And hopefully uh, some of the listeners here will will get on the train too. You know, and just speaking to the agents before we sign off, guys, I I mean, I've said this a bunch on the show, dropped a lot. I wanted to do this episode specifically because cyber is one. It's a great way to add more value to your customers. It's a great way to put money into your bottom line. But you are providing, I mean, this is really what we do is getting out ahead of these things and getting coverage in our clients' hands. And I, I just, to me, cyber is an absolute, no brainer. Like we have to get
2: this in our clients' hands for commercial clients. So appreciate you, man. Of course, Ryan, thank you so much for having me on. I love what you're doing and, uh, love the energy, love the entrepreneurial spirit. So, uh, if there's anything you ever need, anytime, thank you.
0: Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really?